Everyone wants more money, but most of us weren't taught how to create an abundant life. That's where the More Money Show comes in. If you're ready to have more money, create more freedom and experience more fun, turn the volume up. It's time to learn how to create the prosperity and life you have been dreaming of. Here's your host, Cassie Park. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The More Money Show. I am your host, Cassie Parks, and today it's just me. So if you've been a longtime fan of More Money or The Happy Ever After Show, if you've been with me for a while, this is how I used to always do it. And I love interviewing my clients, but, um, and, no but, I'm, I'm an improviser, I know better. And we are going to have more of these. I'm just going to put these in spurts a little back to me, just teaching and sharing some stuff with my life with you. I, I've heard from many of you, you're inter- enjoying the interviews and I'm so glad. And I just want to put some, some teaching back in and some things that are going on in my life. So we're going to do this a little bit. Let me know if you like it. I got some requests for show topics from uh, some people in my Change Your Money Story group. And so today we're going to start with my money story evolution or sort of my money evolution, which I'm excited about. And I've told this story definitely in bits and pieces, but as I was reading comments and someone wanted to know sort of like, what's the whole evolution? What's your aha? All of that. I realized I haven't share this story in its entirety for a while. And it's also grown a lot since I started started sharing it really the first time I shared part of my money story or, you know, what had happened up until that point was in Money Mindset for a Champagne Life, which was published in December of 2014. Uh, it actually, we re- it was published in a different name and we re-released it in January of 2015. (laughs) So um, it's been a while and uh, I just love to share with you all today. So I'm going to do that. First, I always love to start with what's awesome because that's how I do everything in my life, right? Share the good stuff because that's how you get more of it. So what's awesome, I went to the Shania Twain concert last night, which was amazing. And uh, my sister is one of her manifesting superpowers, is that if an artist is going to like walk through the crowd, if they're not just going to come up on stage, but they're going to walk through the crowd to the stage, she's a master or start playing in the crowd. We've been to that too. She's a master at like, you don't know that before, right? You don't know that until you're in the concert and all of a sudden, you know, you see screaming and everybody's looking to the top of a certain section and you see the artist coming down, but she is a master. If that's going to happen, she manifests without even knowing, uh, getting, getting the tickets that are right in the thick of it. So it was really fun. Shania came right down our aisle. You know, we're four seats in. We had the one and two seats didn't show up. So we had one, two, three, four, five, six. We're all us. And and she came right down the aisle. And it was a lot of fun to be with my girls and hang out at the concert. And just so many lessons. I love when artists share, you know, when they've been through something and how they got to the other side. And it was just an amazing concert. And I love, it's one of my favorite things to be in a concert and the live energy like that and get everybody singing and, and being in a good mood. And just, uh, there was one moment where she had everybody turn on their, you know, their cell phone flashlights. And it was amazing because it literally lit the whole place up as if, um, the lights had been turned on, which is just such a good, that's how it works in life. If you just turn on your light and everybody else turns on their light, then 
then we light up everything, right? And sometimes we forget how important it is to just turn on your own light. Like just turn yours on. That's all you have to do. You don't have to, you don't have to like shoulder tap the person next to you to turn your light on. Like just be the example. So that's one thing I want to tell you today. Uh, and also there's a baby blue jay that, um, this is going to sound sad, but it's not. It fell down the window well um, outside of my room, but the mom is still feeding it. And so it's out there. I get to hear it and get to see her feed it. And it gets better at flying every day. It can get about 18 inches off the ground now. So it won't be long before it gets out of there, but it's fun to watch it grow. And also it's that lesson in you have to let go, right? Because birds, if you, if you touch them, the moms will stop taking care of them. But, you know, so we put a branch down there so that it feels like it's in a tree and you just have to trust and know that this is this bird's process. You know, as I watch it grow, it's fun, um, but you also can't fix it for them, right? The bird has to grow, the mom has to keep feeding it, and you just have to let it be. And uh, so it's fun and also just a great lesson in that. And I'm excited for the day that I come home and it's flown out of, out of the window well. It'll be fun. So that's some of the awesome things that are going on in my life, as well as uh, going to a Rockies game this afternoon with some friends. So just lots of fun stuff. If uh, you, I'm going to tell you this a couple of times during the episode, just so that you know, I'm going to refer to money stories. You've probably heard it before if you've been a fan for a while, but I'm going to talk about money stories. And so if you want to know what your money story is, you can go to identifyyourmoneystory.com and just pick up a free guide to that and um, just check out what your money story is. And as I start to talk about that, the caveat that I want to make and the thing that I want to emphasize is that identifying our money story is just the place to start. It's not the thing that you then start talking about, like, oh, like I'm going to talk about how I'm a money chaser, but only today after I'm you know far out of that and for the benefit of you, right? But you don't want to talk about how you're a money chaser and how there's this and that and that means you do X, right? You don't want to start owning the characteristics of that story. The reason that I teach you what the stories are is so that you can see yourself in them and you can start to see the patterns that have been playing out probably in your whole adult life, maybe even before that, right? It might've started with your first lemonade stand, but so that you can see how your money story evolution progresses and what happens. And it's super important that we don't latch on to any of those, that you're always consciously making a choice because these many stories are the things that play out and they're the things that keep us stuck. And what I want to encourage you to do is pull out a blank sheet of paper and write your new money story, right? Instead of continuing with these same patterns. So the the things that I share with you about each story and the purpose of identifying your money story is really just to bring awareness to what's going on in your life so that you can write a different story so that you know, oh, this has been a pattern. Let me write something else. So you can choose, consciously choose to write a money story that serves you. So thank you uh, to the person who requested this topic. It's a lot of fun. I actually have two pages of notes in Google Docs that I'm going to talk about the evolution of my money story. And it's fun to be this far ahead. It's also fun. You know, when I started talking about money, I knew how to help people manifest money. I had more, I had money, 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 and I had manifest 10 K and yet I didn't know how to, I, I didn't know about the money stories yet. I hadn't seen them all play out yet. So that's really fun. 
And if you do hear the bird in the background, that's just, I'm not sure it reaches here, but it's so interesting because every so often, like the bird gets hungry and it starts squawking and then its mom shows up and feeds it and then it goes to sleep. <laughs> and uh, there's no way to time that. So it's just a little bit of fun you could have with me today. So, all right, let's start with my former money story, my old money story, uh, which is, is money chaser. At, at times it was the, it, it's gone back and forth between money chaser, hot mess. And sometimes it's a hot mess money chaser has <laughs> been my story, right? So at certain times as a money chaser, I'm going to tell you about those. Certain times it's hot mess. And sometimes it was a hot mess money chaser, right? Which means that I'm not paying attention. I'll go over this more. Um, you know, but a hot mess money chaser means that you're like really not paying attention to your money and you're also chasing it. So you're kind of spending it a little bit out of control because you're chasing something. Um, and I'll go through the stories as I, as I kind of go along. So my dad, when, as I was growing up, you know, our money stories often get created just by it. A lot of times it's what people say. So you might've remembered as a kid, you know, somebody said to you like, hold on tight to that, or, you know, don't, don't, you know, take that money out of your pocket or you'll lose it or whatever it is. Right. And sometimes those stories, um, go with us. And that's really what pulls us into one of these money stories. And these money stories, by the way, are just what I've found to be the defaults. So sometimes they're a combination. Like I said, sometimes I'm a hot mess money chaser, or I was a hot mess money chaser. Um, but there's, there's five that I've identified and you can go to identifyyourmoneystory.com and check that out. And you can also get my book, Change Your Money Story, at changeyourmoneystorybook.com if you want like a really detailed description of all of them. But these are the stories that, that we sort of default into. If you don't consciously choose a money story, and nobody, I'm sure listening, I would love if they did, and you could tell me the story, but nobody's parents probably sat them down or, or started consciously, right, supporting the money story they wanted their kids to have. They just started talking about money in front of you, or maybe you started hearing bits and pieces about money that, you know, like overhearing from the kitchen when you're in the living room, or maybe you saw certain reactions when your parents or your grandparents went to spend money or went to the bank or, or got a bill, whatever that is, you start to pick up these little things and it can come from society too, right? There's a lot of societal cues that you might pick up on. And sometimes your money story matches your parents and sometimes it's the complete, it's, it seems opposite. It is opposite. It's just not better, right? So often somebody with a survival money store, like if their parent had survival and they'll either be survival or they might be a money chaser because they don't want to survive. So they're like chasing to constantly get enough, right? Um, which isn't necessarily better. Um, <laughs> it didn't work out well that well for me, which is why I changed the story. Um, but that can often happen. So just a little background on some of the things that played into my money story that I'm conscious of, right? You know, my dad worked a lot of hours when I was a kid. Um, for very, very much of um, my life, he left before I got up. And it's not like we were sleeping till 10, right? We had, I don't know what time we got up, but he, he left the house by five or six in the morning as he had an hour drive to work. And he often didn't come home until after we'd eaten dinner. So seven or eight at night. And that was just, that was standard for a good part of when I was growing up. And that's just what I remember. Right. And so he never said, I have to work really hard to earn money, 
But my kid brain said, oh, man, you got to work a lot of hours to make enough money. You have to work really hard, right? And what's interesting that I know now is that I always equated, especially as I got older, I thought, man, he must, like, I can't, I can't do that. Like, I wouldn't want to work that many hours. It could, like, he must hate it. And I don't think he really hated it. Like, to a degree, I think there was things that he probably didn't enjoy all the time. But I don't think it was, like, painful every day. I'm sure he would have liked to have been at home more. But he wasn't, like, grinding away. So I think in my mind, I thought he was... Um, suffering a lot more, we'll just say, than maybe he was, right? Because there are things about his job and what he does that he loves. Um, And after I started college, he got a big financial payout. There was a buyout, there was a sale of a company and all of this. Um, And so it was sort of the equivalent a little bit to a small lottery win. I don't actually know what the number was, but when I think back on it, I'm like, oh, that's what it was. It was a large chunk of money. And So that was cool. I was like, that would be awesome to happen. And this is at the point where I'm deciding in a career and I'm trying to pick, like, I want to be able to support myself and my family. And what also went on is, you know, there had been a couple of times that my dad had told me, you know, I make more money than a lot of people. But I didn't see that. That didn't make sense to me. I mean, I believed him. (laughs) I believed he knew what he made and he knew sort of on this scale of, what people make, that he made a lot more than, you know, more than most people. And yet I didn't, as a kid, like our life didn't reflect that. We always had one car. He had one for work. So we only had one family car until my mom bought a second car um, just because she wanted something less gas and smaller to drive around. And I mean, this was like, I don't know, a thousand dollar car. It was a, it was a Topaz. I think that's a Mercury. It was very old. It was very beat up. And yet it was fine for her. And that was, it was fine for me. I was, I was super happy to drive that car as soon as I turned 16 and wanted to drive somewhere. And yet, you know, from the outside, that didn't look like most families had two cars and most of them were maybe a little bit nicer than, or a lot nicer than the Topaz, right? And other cars. And so to me, you know, and I remember growing up and my friend had a camper and we definitely didn't have a camper. And then my other friends had boats and they had two campers. And so to me, it didn't seem like we ever had more money. So again, I'm thinking you have to work really hard to have money. And yet, you know, it's, it's, it's good. We had a good life, but it's like not for the extra stuff, right? So I wasn't sure how to make that happen. And again, this isn't all what I'm consciously thinking about at 15, 16 years old. This is just what's happening. So The other thing that was interesting that I know plays into my money story is that my dad had told me at one point, we had a conversation, I was probably 16 years old, and he said, you know, I got lucky in my career. I got lucky. And he didn't just say I got lucky once. He said I got lucky seven times in my career, and I was in the right place at the right time. And so as I'm growing up and I'm trying to pick a career path, I'm trying to figure out, like, how do you choose, like, or how do you, like, create being lucky, right? Now I know you create your own destiny and you choose it and you write your own money story and you attract the life you want and you leverage the law of attraction and the power of your mind and all of those things. Right. And I don't know that he did that consciously. I think if I look in his story, I can find ways that he did that. I know he did that. I know my mom did that. And yet, but not consciously, like they weren't saying like, Oh, we're going to use the law of attraction to do X, Y, Z. Right. But they did it. But you know, his belief was really that I got lucky. And I'm like, how do you, 
how do you do that in a career? Like, how do you create luck? How do you say, like, I'm going to be in the right place at the right time seven times, right? Again, now I know what I'd say. I'm always in the right place at the right time. But as a 19-year-old, which is kind of where 18, 19-year-old is where this, this starts for me, I didn't know that. I was also in school, you know, I wanted, I was getting my, my bachelor's in psychology and I remember opening the paper, uh, and, and this is when jobs were like still in the paper, not on, you know, all these sites, there's still jobs in the paper and like you could make like $13 an hour with a bachelor's in psychology. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm definitely not going to make it for that. Cause I was already making more than $13 an hour. So it was a little bit hard. Um, but that lucky thing, right? Like that belief that what I heard when he said I got lucky seven different times. And I think what he was probably saying is I'm grateful. I did the work and I showed up. I think he might tell the story different if he knew what I was taking away from it. Um, just because I don't think that entirely the story was like, you have to get lucky. I don't think that's what he was trying to teach me. He was just trying to share something. Um, but that's probably where my money chaser came in, right? You have to get lucky. So that's sort of like chasing. You have to chase it down. You have to get lucky, right? So I was always willing to work and, you know, probably because I had that model for my dad, right? He left before we woke up and he often came home after dinner. And um, so I was always willing to work. For example, like I got this tutoring gig. I was also really good at um, creating, I had always attracted opportunities to work to make money. So not always um, that money just came to me, but I always attracted the opportunity to work when I was younger, you know, like probably from 10, 10 to 18, right? So like I was willing to do that. I was always willing to work for money. I would go like I would go tutor after a softball game. No big deal. Right. It was I think it was paying me 20 bucks an hour. I would totally go over there and do that for an hour and then go home and do everything else, do my homework, all that. Um, like I said, I could always attract opportunities to work. I also I always had multiple ways money was coming in, but it was for work. Right. So I always had money that I was always going out in there and getting money, which was fine when I was younger. And as if you have the money story hot mess, it's probably what happened to you too, is that you, you were, um, you were always able to attract money. Like you're always able to earn it. You're always able to work for it. There's always, um, opportunities. Um, and so, and like my dad, a lot of those opportunities didn't feel like work. Tutoring Spanish didn't feel like work. It was super easy. Um, the other things I did really didn't feel like work, right? Babysitting didn't feel all that much like work because I always had good kids. So that's kind of where I was. And then at 19, I learned this thing called financial independence. Um, there's this financial services company that I went and I saw their presentation about working for them. And I went to work for them. Um, I wanted to make $100,000. Um I wanted like, and the only way I saw to do that, remember I saw that ad in the paper, like 12, 13 bucks an hour with a degree. Um, the only way I saw to do that was like this company. It's the only path anybody had ever set forth to like 
there is a, if you do X, Y, and Z, you can get to $100,000. You can make $100,000. And, you know, there's obviously, there's people who made a million dollars. And I think there was somebody who made $7 million. I don't know. I said, cool, I want that. And that's the moment I became a money chaser, right? I knew what I wanted and I was willing to do anything to get it. I went all in. I had three jobs at the time. I quit them all eventually, like in within a couple month period, I quit them all. It was not a smart decision um, because this job was all commission. This was all building your own financial services practice, right? And, but I let go of all my jobs because I was willing to chase down what I wanted. I wanted this hundred thousand dollars. I wanted to know that was, I wanted um, to have that. And the only way I knew that was possible, this is the only place I had seen where there was somewhat of a path to get there. The path was a lot harder or it was harder then. I often wonder how hard it would be today because I'm a different person and I would do it differently. Um, it was not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Right. But I went all in, I quit those jobs and like what that did for the first time in my life, I didn't have money. I remember like I'd always had money. Like I, I started babysitting when I was 10. And so I always, you know, I, um, I saved up and I don't know how old I was like 13, 14 when I like had a hundred dollars saved and I made my mom take me and get a savings account to put it in because I was like so proud of myself that I saved a hundred dollars. So I always had money. Um, always, there was always a stash of money somewhere because again, I was good at creating opportunities to earn money. And I would always say, yes, if there was a chance to earn money, I was all in. Right. Um, I remember I was a freshman in high school and I wanted a pager and that tells you when I went to high school and my mom said, no, but you, she said, I'm not getting it, but you can buy it for yourself if you want. So it wasn't very much longer. And I manifested a job working with a friend of mine whose mom worked at a doctor's office and they needed help like pulling, um, x-rays out of a file to, cause, um, the paper had to go one place to be recycled and the x-rays, the old x-rays had to go to another. And so basically I made $10 an hour hanging out with my friends, like just standing in a room, opening files and separating stuff, talking to my friends. And it wasn't very long. I think it was probably two weekends and I made enough to get my pager. And so again, I could always create an opportunity to make money. But when I quit these jobs, you know, all of a sudden I didn't have money for the first time in my life, really. Um, because I went from that gradual place of where my parents paid for stuff to where I had my jobs and I was paying for stuff and I always had money for extras, right? Um, like I was good with my money. I didn't just blow it and I, I would buy the $20 jeans instead of the hundred dollar jeans. Um, so that I had money, so that I had money. <laughs> but, um, for the first time in my life, when I went to work for this financial services company and I quit all my jobs, eventually it came to this point where for the first time I really didn't have any money. It was the lowest my checking account had ever been. I remember like, um, after a Wednesday meeting, people would like to go to Chili's and like, I, I couldn't, or like, I'd have to like it, you know, I'd avoid it or I'd just try and go and like eat the chips and salsa because I didn't have like, and back then it was like, probably I could have eaten for $10, but I didn't have that. I didn't have that extra. Like there wasn't, there was maybe like $20 in my bank account the time I'm thinking of. Right. Which made my money chaser story worse. Like if you want it and you work hard and you give up everything, like this is the beliefs that were contributing in like the loop of the money chaser. It happens. 
Um, and so that went on for a couple months and finally I got myself out of that. I did not like not having money. And so luckily my reputation had preceded itself and I could get a job, um, with a similar company that I had worked for in high school. And over the course of the next couple of years, which is probably three years, I got myself to a place where I had money again. Uh, I had a job that I started working at a main job. I still had other side jobs, which I eventually gave up, but, I got a job that had more regular hours that paid me. Uh, eventually I bought a house, which was sort of the hot mess and probably a little of the money chasing energy, right? So we're kind of taught like, okay, once you have money, you should buy a house. And that's not necessarily, I, I love real estate, right? You know that. So, but a little bit of the hot mess was like not paying attention to exactly what that was going to do to me financially and really preparing for it. I think I could have prepared better. It was probably some of the chasing energy, like, okay, like I could, you know, I can have a house and, and eventually, you know, I can pay it off all these things, just like chasing energy. Um, so, but, but I started to get out of both like the, the money chaser. So that was coming out of the money chaser energy. And I remember I had, there was a time as $5,000 in my account right? And I moved it to my savings account. That's the most I had ever saved at that point in my life. And I'm probably like 24, 25, maybe 26 at this point. And it was like, okay, like the house, like I was good on the house. I was making the payments, money was coming in and I was saving it. Um, and it wasn't long that that $5,000 was in my account. And that's really because we don't have intentions for things and we, we haven't cleared up our stories. Like we can make different situations happen and we can do things like save $5,000, but when we don't clear up the things about the story, like the story comes back. So I, it was very little that I had $5,000. Like I went, um, cause I remembered, like I went to something, I think it was a money mindset weekend or something. And my dream of becoming financially independent, right. That I had, um, which had actually come when I went to work for that financial services company. I learned that was a possibility that came up back up. Um, and with the, you know, this dream of my coaching practice and what happened at that point was I wanted, I wanted a coaching practice, right? I wanted my own business. Actually I had a couple of businesses that I started along the way. And then I also like was still holding this financial independence dream, which I will tell you like number one problem with that is that there wasn't one focus. I was trying to create a coaching practice to become financially, like I wanted both things, create a coaching practice to become financially independent, but I wasn't focused on either. It was like, I wanted both simultaneously. And while those go together, that's what I have today. You don't, you got to focus on one first. You got to create what you want most first. And I'll talk about that later. Um, and so what happened in this moment really because of that is that my money chaser story kicked in, my hot mess story kicked in, and now I'm a hot mess money chaser, right? <laughs> so within six months to a year, I'm not sure the exact time frame of having that $5,000 in my savings account, it was gone. And then I was close to at least $10,000 in credit card debt. Because again, that dream like I wanted um, came back up and that chasing um, and I kept chasing that coaching practice because I thought it would get me to financial independence. Um, and again, that's how part of how I ended up in debt. And there was more, there was more debt than that. I know, but I just remember that one specific thing cause I know what it was for. Um, and I kept chasing that coaching practice cause I thought that would get me there. Um, 
And chasing at some point also led to this flip that wasn't very successful, the flip of a house my sister and I tried to do. Um, And it definitely worked out in the end as I changed my money story, but it could have gone much differently. And it wasn't, it didn't work out in the moment for sure, but there was a way to make it okay for a time. And when I looked back, I could see like that was a chasing move. We like, we should have waited on a better property. We should have waited, but we were both chasing. We were both wanted to, you know, make $10,000, right? We were both chasing money. And so we moved too fast and we didn't do the smart thing. And that's what led to that not working out. So awesome, right? And so I'm going to finish up a little bit and just kind of quickly tell you this part. Um, actually that's probably where I'm going to stop. So we're, I'm chasing plus a hot mess. And that's not a great combination when you're doing a flip either, because you're chasing money and you're not paying attention to what you're spending because you're a hot mess. So you're like kind of just assuming it's all going to work out because it's always all worked out pretty much. Right. And that's the thing about the hot mess is that it's always all worked out until it stops working out until you can't find that extra job to give you that extra money. So, um, you know, that flip, it wasn't super successful in that moment. And that's where I'll leave you where I was sort of a money chaser, hot mess or hot mess, money chaser, however you want to say it. And in the next episode, I will tell you what evolved from there and what happened next. If you are interested in, um, learning how to change your money story and you want to buy, um, the book, change your money story, you can go to changeyourmoneystorybook.com. It'll give you full description of, of all the money stories and uh, also tell you how to change it. So I will be back next week with more, with the rest of my money evolution, the evolution of my money story. Have a fabulous rest of your week, and I will leave you with this money mantra, money finds me. Thank you for joining us on The More Money Show. To learn how to identify your current money story, go to identifyyourmoneystory.com.